0: I still really believe in the integrity of what I'm making. I love what I do, and I don't have to just resort to doing it on the side after I've already worked a full week. This is my whole week.
1: If you're a creative person, if you're a baker, a dancer, a photographer, a screenwriter, an actor, a comedian, a podcaster, and you want to figure out how to make a living doing what you love, this is the show. This is the show. Don't keep your day job. My name is Kathy Heller, and I'm a singer-songwriter. I make a living doing what I love, and I want that for you. This is the show that's going to help you do that and give you not only inspiration but some real-life strategies. This is going to help you figure out how to take your creative passion and turn it into a profit. Thanks to VideoBlocks for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Get a free seven-day trial by going to VideoBlocks.com/dreamjob. So just remember, they're giving away seven days of video blocks so you can try it out and explore this new collection for free. Go to videoblocks.com slash dream job. Thanks video blocks. Hi everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I'm Kathy Heller and I am here to constantly remind you of what you really are. You are so powerful. A friend of mine likes to say, you are a masterpiece, a piece of the master. Whether you believe in God, the universe, whatever it is, I say, God, you are infinite. We are so much more powerful than we ever give ourselves credit for. I want you to stop being so hard on yourself. I want to be here to remind you that you're amazing. And the truth is, you know that. There are times in your life, there have been moments where you've had that clarity and you've glimpsed just how powerful you are. And then what happens is we go back to that default place. We go back to that place of thinking we're not enough. We go back to that place of thinking that we're never going to do it. We're never going to be there. The thing is, most people are not learning from the best of the best. Most people are learning from whoever happens to be around them. But what I'm here to tell you is that success is something that you can reverse engineer. Remember that story when we were kids, Hansel and Gretel? So remember that they left little breadcrumbs so that they could then backtrack how they got there. But that's the truth with anybody. If somebody is lucky, okay, so they might be successful for a minute. But if somebody is sustaining that success, if someone's successful, and they continue to be, then there are common denominators to that success. And we can start to study what's working for people who are successful. And that's why I started the show. When I started to go for what I wanted, which was songwriting, I started to do this intuitively, I started to look at who was already doing it. Instead of listening to the people around me and telling me that it wouldn't happen and they had already settled, that settling was part of life and blah, blah, blah. I said, what if I set out to look at people who have achieved exactly what it is I wanna do and how could I understand what it is that they had done? What path had they taken? How had they created their content? Who had they reached out to? How had they gotten their, their music to be where it was? And so I started to look into what I needed to do. And it's the same thing for everything I've ever done. I've started several businesses. I now have an agency. I pitch other artists. I started this podcast. I'm writing a book. Every single endeavor that I've ever done, instead of looking at what people around me are saying, I tried to strive for being not just good, but outstanding. So I'm gonna look at who's already done it, and that's the beauty of living in the time that we're in now. If this was 20 years ago, it's much harder to try and understand what other people have done, although you can still do it. You could you know, try to reach out and find a mentor, but I'm here to remind you of what you already know. You're so incredibly original and special. Nobody else is like you. Nobody has come here to do the things that you have to do, and I believe that every person is unique, and in that sense, every person is a whole world. Every single person has something to contribute that no one else can contribute. No one else can do it the way you do it because you're gonna see it differently. You're gonna express it differently. So I wanna remind you that this is something that's attainable and the more certain you become that this is attainable, the more that you're gonna start putting one foot in front of the other. So I want you to prime yourself. I want you to write down whatever it is that inspires you, whether it's a book you read and a quote, whether it's something that's on a mug that you're using in the morning, whether it's something that I'm saying, How nice would that be if it's something I'm saying, but whatever it is, write it down and then prime yourself because we're all going to get into these states of mind that are so self-sabotaging. So I want you to have something on hand for when that happens. So that's why I started the show. I started the show so that I could remind you of how unbelievably special, unique and powerful you are because there's going to be so much in the world that's going to tell you that you're not. And so many people around us all who try to convince us of what they've convinced themselves, but it's not true just because someone says something or just because you think a thought doesn't make it true. And let me show you why I know that this is the case. You've already walked through some of the hardest things. If you're alive today and you've lived, You've already gone through some of the hardest things and you're still here. And I don't have to know you personally to know because if you're a human being and you're living in this world, you've dealt with loss, you've dealt with some kind of challenge and you've gotten here. So if you're here, then this is nothing compared to the walls you've already walked through, to the mountains you've already crossed, you know that. So I wanna be here now to not just inspire you and remind you of how special you are and how much the world needs it, but I wanna give you actual tools. And also the thing I want you to keep in mind is that whatever you're going to achieve, whatever you're going to get, that's not even the reward. The reward is who you're going to become. The reward is the growth. That is the reward. When we're growing, when we have progress, we are fulfilled. You know, you can have success. And like I've said before, you can have success and you cannot be fulfilled. And that's nothing. That's terrible. That sucks. And there's so many people in this world who figured out how to reverse engineer success and they're successful, but they're not fulfilled. They're not happy because they forget that the thing that they're going to get and the achievement and the success and the money and the car and the person who's going to want to be with them because of all of that. That's not what's going to make them happy. What's going to make you happy is when you show up for yourself, when you walk through walls that you feel like you've been hiding behind That growth is what's going to set you on fire. That's going to make you feel alive. And while you are growing, you're going to inspire everybody around you. So every day, I want you to think about what is one thing you can do today? What is one thing you can do to move yourself closer? And as you're listening to this, I'm going to be giving you cheat sheets because I realize you guys need more. And I'm constantly thinking about you, whether I'm driving in my car or I'm having a meeting or I'm waking up or I'm going to sleep, I'm thinking about Everyone who I feel so honored. I know what you can be doing with your time. There's a million choices of what you can be doing right now and you're listening to this show. So I feel an obligation to show up and to meet that expectation as best as I can. So I've made you guys some cheat sheets. Go to nodayjobs.com and every week there's a new cheat sheet. And so once you sign up for it, you'll be on the mailing list, you'll get the new cheat sheet. This week, the cheat sheet is all about list building. Last week I talked to you about creating content, so important. Thinking about what you can contribute is everything. The more that you give, the more is just gonna naturally come back. And so when you realize that you have this amazing invention called the internet and there's an audience waiting right now to learn from you, to grow, to understand, to be inspired by whatever it is you're doing, the more you realize that you are enough right now in this moment and whatever you have to share it's already incredible you're going to start to create content now in return for the content that you're going to put out there you're going to ask people for their email address and by getting their email address you're going to continue to not let them down you're going to engage them you're going to be consistent you're going to keep being vulnerable and genuine and sharing whatever it is you have to share even if it's you talking about the challenge that you've been having by being caught in your own mind and being self-sabotaging and doubting yourself, whatever it is you have to share, you don't realize how powerful that is. But the more that you're going to share, you're going to create a list. And as you build this list, this list is going to start to convert to be people who are going to support you. People are going to buy from you. If you're selling cupcakes, people are going to come and support your art. When you have a gallery opening, people are going to come and support you. When you start to let people know that you're ready to be hired for whatever service it is that you do, the more that you start already showing up and giving people the content that you want eventually for them to support or be a fan of, the more that you're gonna to start to already now create an audience and that audience is gonna to start to convert and be there for you and show up for you. And I'm telling you, if you are consistent, you're gonna have that edge because most people are not consistent with any of this. And the main thing that keeps people from being consistent is that thought that keeps showing up that tells us we're not enough. Everybody has this. I have this. I'm constantly feeling like I'm failing. If I'm if I'm succeeding at work, I feel like I'm not being a good enough mom. I feel like I shouldn't be working because I should be sitting on the floor doing Play-Doh with my kids. And then I remember, I remember that my kids need one thing more than anything. They need me to be my most happy, fulfilled self because there are no secrets inside of a family. Everyone can tell what everyone else is going through just by looking at you. And so the best thing I can do is to show my three little girls an example of a mom who can find a way to balance it and find a way to juggle it and do what I love to do and contribute what I have to contribute. I want people to be able to have a simple thing, which is doing what they love in this world being the happiest version of yourself and contributing that which is what you have to give it. And week after week, I'm gonna show you examples of people on the show. Some of them have millions and millions of dollars. Some of them make a few hundred thousand dollars. Some of them, everybody knows their name. Some of them, nobody's heard of. But the beauty is they're all being able to wake up excited and passionate and enjoying, loving who they are, loving what they're doing and being able to contribute something beautiful. Okay, guys. Thank you so much to Videoblocks for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. You can get a free seven-day trial by going to Videoblocks.com slash dreamjob. So thank you so much to Videoblocks for supporting us. Videoblocks is an affordable subscription-based stock media site that gives you unlimited access to premium stock footage. So recently I was looking at video blocks and I was finding it so cool because as a songwriter, often I need to post videos. I wanna do more than just post something that's audio to one of my songs. And so a lot of times I'm looking to make a lyric video and something that's engaging, something that's interesting. What's awesome about video blocks is I was searching for all different types of content and I could find it to match different types of songs. I have a song called I'll Be By Your Side and I wanted to find footage of a mom talking to their kids and being together because that's what the song's about and I could find it. It's awesome. Recently, we've had the ability to create Images using stock photos, but now it's super cool because you can make a video. You can, you know, you can find time lapse stuff, which I've downloaded one. It's gorgeous, and you could find time lapse videos of people walking through different cities or a sunrise. It's really, really neat. So I've teamed up with VideoBlocks, and they're offering us all seven days of a free trial. So one thing that's awesome is that the downloads are yours forever, even after your trial ends. It's a hundred percent royalty free, so you can go to VideoBlocks.com/dreamjob or you can click on the link in the description to this podcast episode and check it out so today I am so excited we have a wonderful example of all this Brian Januski is with us today and one of our listeners actually reached out to me I ask you guys all the time if you have suggestions for people to be on the show go ahead you can email me the best way to do that is to post that on our Facebook page which is don't keep your day job and let me know who you have in mind so this listener of ours Kelly she wrote to me and said Brian is amazing I looked him up on Instagram I looked him up online he's awesome Brian is an amazing ceramics artist he makes the most beautiful pottery as as soon as I looked at it I wanted every single piece you can look at his work at drippypots.com and um, you can see what he's doing you can follow him on Instagram but I'm so happy you're here today Brian and let's dive in and hear how you've been able to make such a good living doing this thing that clearly you love it shows in your work it's so beautiful it's so special thank you for being here so how did this all begin
0: I guess it started when I was finishing high school. I was really trying to find some sort of direction and a passion in what I wanted to do. And I was studying mostly business and accounting and got really involved with music. And being involved with music kind of got me into a group of friends who happened to be taking ceramics and that brought me into the ceramics studio. And really it was just through having um, a very supportive teacher. And then a very supportive professor in college who really encouraged me to follow this thing that I had a real passion for and somehow saw some little kernel uh, of something in me that maybe I could make a career out of this.
1: So where was your first ceramics moment? Was that in a class? Was that you on the weekend doing something?
0: It was was in a class in high school and uh, our teacher really believed that It was an awful lot better if we were hanging out in the studio in our free time than just kind of being off on our own. So she really made accommodations to open the studio up to us during lunch break and study hall and after school and just really created a safe, very welcoming environment that the studio could be a place for our social time, but also where we could really um, focus on something and build some technical skills.
1: Wow, so you started going in your off hours, you just fell in love with doing ceramics. And so you took this class and then in your off hours, you would go to the high school to the studio to, to do this work?
0: Yeah, yeah. So she kept the studio open for us. So I was taking the class and then also getting a lot of extra time there. So ceramics is definitely a process that rewards repetition. And it doesn't come easily to anyone at first, um, which is kind of one of the things that's so special about it is that it takes repetition and everybody starts out being really poor at it so it it rewards people that have the endurance and the willpower to keep working through um, growth and working through failure and i think that's something that we still learn through uh, learn from so much
1: wow i love that i love that so tell me what you mean by that you're saying for everybody even someone who winds up being brilliant at it like you In the beginning you're saying everyone's not good at it it takes that patience tell us what that what you mean by that
0: so the material of clay itself it's very particular and we need to develop kind of a sense memory or a muscle memory so that we understand okay when i touch it in this way good things happen when i touch it in this way bad things happen and that dialogue between your brain and your fingertips doesn't develop immediately it takes repetition and it takes a lot of time so you develop a sensitivity to these things. And what's so interesting about clay is that it takes a certain length of time for these pieces to get through the entire process from wet clay to drying out, to being fired. So by the time that piece comes out of the kiln, it was maybe a month from when you first made it. And you see that thing come out of the kiln. And sometimes in those early days of making, you don't even recognize it as something that you made because in that previous month, You've learned so much more and your eyes and hands have become so much more sensitive to the process that you're always confronted with this growth right in front of you because you're looking back at your own past and saying, wow, I was this bad just a month ago. I would never think that this was a good piece now.
1: Oh, my God. I love listening to this. It's so peaceful. It's like the most incredible analogy for every art it's incredible what you're saying. So how long did it take you from the time you first sat down to do it to the time you felt like what you were creating was great and it had the potential?
0: I think that that's something that's constantly evolving. All I knew was that it, it kept me up at night thinking about it. I did so much visualization. When I couldn't be in the studio, I was picturing that spinning wheel. And there were times when I was first learning that I, I couldn't fall asleep because I had that sense memory of a slightly off center piece of clay on the wheel. And that kind of like loping rhythm drove me crazy. And the only way that I could kind of get over that was to get back in the studio and get better. So all I knew is it was something that I could spend crazy amounts of time doing. And I really loved it. And at that point, I really wasn't concerned so much about the quality of the finished product or how I was going to get them out into the world. I just knew that this is something that I want to get better at. And I really enjoy this. And it makes me feel good uh, to create something from scratch.
1: Oh, God, I love that. You, you, know, you could be <laughs> speaking around the world. What you just said was like, so inspiring. <laughs> okay, so take us now through this journey.
0: Then it comes time for me to apply to college. And I applied to go to school at Penn State. Um, I grew up in rural Pennsylvania. I was the first generation in my family to go to college. I didn't really know that there were other colleges out there. So I I applied, it was where all of my cousins around my age had gotten into, and I didn't get accepted to their accounting program. At this point, I was definitely focusing less on my business and accounting studies and thinking more about music and ceramics, but it was a big blow to me when I didn't get in. So Mm -hmm. I then applied to a school in Lancaster, Pennsylvania called Millersville University. And I went there for orientation over the summer and I kind of broke away from the tour group to go find the art building and find the ceramic studio. And my professor, who's now my lifelong friend, um, Debbie Siegel was there teaching an adult class over the summer and she pulled me into her office and sat down and had this great discussion with me. And the next week she pulled a bunch of strings to get me into classes that were already filled and I was able to just start school on track to become an art major.
1: So then you went through the four years of art school or is it two years or what happened? Yeah, then? So
0: I went through four years there and I got my bachelor of fine arts degree from Millersville. And uh, I stayed for one extra year as an artist in residence there to try to put together a portfolio to go to graduate school. Then I got accepted to a great school called Cranbrook Academy of Art, which is outside of Detroit. After I graduated, I found that the very next body of work that I made after I got my degree was really getting back to the material. And I got back on the wheel and was making, the pots that eventually became the pieces that I'm making now. They went through several different iterations and I didn't realize what I was doing, but now looking back, I can see those pieces were kind of the embryo for uh, the work that I'm making in the studio.
1: Wow, so cool. So you started doing that and what was the next step to getting to make a living doing that?
0: My goal at that point, starting in graduate school, was always that I was gonna be teaching full-time. I felt this huge debt of gratitude uh, to these teachers that helped me. And I wanted to get in the classroom and I wanted to be a college professor teaching ceramics. It's a very difficult thing navigating higher ed as a, as a candidate for these jobs. So I right. spent about six or seven years moving around the country one year at a time doing one year contracts or teaching adjunct and meeting some great students, working at lots of different amazing institutions, but was totally unable in that time to land that permanent job where I could sort of set up and have some sense of stability or a life where I wasn't constantly looking over the horizon at the next job application, the next move. Um, And that was really tough for me. And looking back at it now, it just was not bringing me as much joy as the joy that I get from seeing these pots go out into the world and being enjoyed by like a really wide audience of people.
1: Right. So then what, how did you transition from that?
0: Well, Krista and I met about two years ago and we kind of instantly fell in love and it was just a few months after we met that we kind of decided that we were going to get married and uh, Krista has a great job here in the Philadelphia area and we just kind of talked it through and made the decision that this was the perfect time for me to move somewhere where I could set up and have that permanence and stability and that I owed it to myself and to my passion for the material, to try making a living off of the thing that I love to do, which is to make these pieces.
1: So you quit teaching at that point, you didn't take the next job, and then you were living off some savings so that you could start this passion project.
0: Right, so in my final semester of teaching, I was given a really great opportunity to do a limited edition of pieces for a company called The Sill, which is based in New York City. And they ordered like 200 or 250 of these planter pieces. And at that time, that was an astronomically huge order for me.
1: It is. Uh, I mean, thinking that you have to create those, that's a lot.
0: (laughs) And I was teaching full time, working in my own studio on the evenings and weekends. Um, We were, Krista and I, were living apart. I was in Indianapolis. She was here in Philadelphia. So I just lived in the studio to get this project done. So, Thanks to them, that one project was able to give me this little savings of basically $5,000 and that $5,000 became the starting capital for the business and that was my main risk. I moved to Philadelphia with that money and said this has to be the thing that sustains me to kind of get equipment, get a space and get up and running and it really put the pressure on to get more accounts and start selling work right away.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay, I have so many questions. Before we dive (laughs) into the next thing, which is really exciting, how did you even get that job at the SIL?
0: Amazingly, they found me through social media.
1: Okay, so how did that start? What were you posting?
0: Uh, At that point, I was just posting kind of little glimpses of what was going on in the studio, um, in-process shots of pieces on the wheel. Um, I was really trying to get more serious about photography and upgrading my equipment and really trying to study product photography and images from advertising that I was really drawn to and Mm -hmm. trying to create a setup for myself that imitated that and started to tell some sort of a story or project the kind of lifestyle around the pieces that I was making the kind of convention in studio ceramics is to take a picture of a piece on like a perfectly neutral background it's either just a completely blank background background or this kind of gradient and what that does is it strips away any other information other than just the object that's in front of you. And what right, I find um, so interesting about Instagram is we're not looking at just the subject of the photo, but there's this whole lifestyle and this backstory that we're so curious to see in people's pictures. So I was really trying to develop an aesthetic and a methodology in the way that I took photographs that told people a little bit more about my life and about everything around those pieces rather so than just the
1: cool object. so cool so what give me some examples.
0: Well right now we shoot a lot of things in our apartment, right? We we kind of take home some of our favorite pieces or things that come out kind of strange, but strange in a quirky, adorable way. And we just surround ourselves with with these pieces from the studio and we collect pieces of art by other makers. So sometimes the light will just be beautiful in here and we come across a certain grouping of things that just makes us happy. So we'll stage a little photo shoot. Or if Krista and I are working in the studio together on the weekend, we'll go out and we'll find some props or we'll just kind of see something out of the corner of our eye in the studio and get this kind of mental image of what we could do for a photograph. And we just try to have fun with it and focus on making images that make us laugh or make us smile. And we've been really rewarded by following that instinct, because if we have that feeling, we found that there's a lot of other people on there that are looking at our stuff that have the same response.
1: Wow. Okay. So you were growing your Instagram, you were posting things, and then you were found by the sale. You did this work. This work gave you a little bit of seed money. You took that $5,000, you moved to Philadelphia. And so you said then the pressure was on to get more accounts. So take us back to that time. What happened next?
0: So I moved here. I had maybe eight accounts and each account. How did was, you
1: get that? How did you get them?
0: This all happens through Instagram and just being really active and present and putting out images that I thought were beautiful. So And then
1: people, so you got the SIL and then after that you moved to Philadelphia and eight more accounts come?
0: Th- those were kind of like built up slowly throughout the time that I was teaching. And I really kind of made it a goal to just build up more accounts. So we would be really engaging with lots of different shops and influences on Instagram, trying to put out the best quality pictures. And what we found is within the home goods market and within the kind of boutique market that we're selling in, a lot of those shop owners are scouring Instagram, trying to find new exciting products from makers that maybe their competitor down the street or the next town over hasn't heard of yet. So Instagram has Uh become an incredible platform for what we do because everybody is trying to get that new exciting thing that they think is going to appeal to their customer and makes them special.
1: Is there a particular way that you tag it or something with your hashtag that allows people to find you or is it just simply putting up beautiful photos?
0: We have really made a point of not engaging with like the use of hashtags and, and some of the other things that kind of get some instant gratification with those posts what we've found is sometimes something like that will net you some followers in the beginning but those people quickly drop off so we don't want to like deceive ourselves into thinking that we're growing faster than we are we kind of just follow what we believe and what makes us happy and then we slowly build up those followers and we find those people are really loyal and engage with us a lot on instagram and we know those people that are following and have their post notifications on and are really kind of engaging with us on a day-to-day basis are, are really loyal people.
1: Unbelievable. Okay. So then you had eight more accounts. So within the first few weeks of hitting the ground there, you had a lot of work to do.
0: Yes. So it was a, you know, a matter of setting up the studio, getting the equipment, kind of designing a workflow, and then also spending time in the evenings editing photos and putting things out there in the world and sending emails and messages. And um, yeah, we we didn't know what the future was. And there was not enough money (laughs) left over that I could have gone for too many weeks without really starting to make some sales. So we started developing some strategies on Instagram where we were selling one of a kind pieces directly from the Instagram post. So if something came out slightly imperfect or was really kind of unusual and we knew there was only going to be one of them, uh, we'd post it on Instagram and the first person that messaged us by DM that wanted to buy it, we'd send them a link. And as soon as they purchased it, we'd take the post down.
1: Hmm.
0: And what we found was this was right around the time that Instagram was rolling out the post notification feature. A lot of people were turning on post notifications because they wanted to be the first person to see it. So we found the initial engagement or the number of likes and comments that we'd receive within the first few minutes of posting rose really sharply from that point. And that's the kind of like really loyal engagement that has benefited us so much more since that time. And and we still do that. We'll do little flash sales where we'll sell seconds.
1: So phenomenal. Like you not only make beautiful work, but then you figured out how to sell it in a very organic way and you engaged people. So that's amazing. You were doing all of this by yourself or Krista was helping you at this point? Krista
0: was helping so much. And <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she really has something to say about this. Cause when we met anything that came out less than 100% perfect, I was smashing with a hammer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I I was trained that you just, you'd never put anything out there into the world.
1: And I found that really unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I helped Brian a lot on Instagram. I guess it happened sort of by accident, but we found strategies that people really liked and that it really worked in order to sell the stuff. And then if we tried something and it didn't work so well, we just kind of wouldn't do it again. But we came up with a set of strategies, and by engaging a lot with people and sending them, you know, messages and talking to them about things that they love, they really loved the engagement, and it helped keep you know, everybody sort of looking at the page and wondering what was about to come next.
0: We change the content constantly, both of what's going on on Instagram and also on the website. It's constantly refreshing. So we we really expect and we benefit from people coming back to the page over and over again, even within the same week.
1: Wow, that is so amazing. I mean, this is the stuff that people don't do. It's that consistent engagement. It takes it takes a lot of work and effort to really show up, not just post something but then reply and message.
0: Right because we'd all rather be making our art. We'd all rather be making the thing that makes us happy. It it takes a level of discipline to step away from it and say, well, I also need to do this part of it if I want to continue doing it. So I owe so much of that to Krista for helping me to kind of develop that balance. Because as a maker, I was just so used to never leaving the studio. And all I wanted to do was produce more. Uh, But then at some point, you have to figure out how to market that and distribute that, or you can't afford to produce anymore.
1: How many hours a day are you spending creating and how many hours a day are you spending on Instagram and, and setting up shots? <laughs> and that stuff?
0: Oh, well, it, it fluctuates. I've really been trying to work like 50 hours a week or less in the studio. And, you know, that is cut down pretty significantly from what I used to do when I was teaching wow. because that would be basically teaching full-time hours and then trying to get my work done on top of it. And, wow. I wasn't like a very complete person and I wasn't probably like the most like functional partner or friend or family member. You know, I was so focused on just what I was doing. So moving here to Philadelphia, one of the big goals was to try to have a true work-life balance for the first time. So I go into the studio and I work from 10 to 6 and occasionally when we're being kind of bad, we'll go in and work on the weekends, which we've been doing recently as we've pushed towards this Kickstarter campaign. Mm -hmm. And honestly, what's not calculated in those numbers is the, you know, hours of Instagram and email that we do in the evenings after we get home.
1: Wow. Okay. But it's all so crucial and it's working. So there's that. Yeah. Um, And I
0: feel like there's a real change. Once you see that kind of work actually convert and monetize and turn into traffic on your website, which turns into sales. Uh, it changes your motivation level to do that. I talked to oh, so okay. many artist friends who say, oh, I really should be doing more on Instagram. I really should be updating my website. And I think it only feels like a chore before you start seeing the results. Like we're addicted to it now. Mm-hmm. We want to constantly be adding new content because we see immediate results from it.
1: Okay, a couple questions. How were you making all of this on your own? When you say you get eight accounts, how do you physically create all that?
0: I would try to set up a schedule for myself where a couple days of the week I would just be sitting on the wheel producing. And on a really, really good day where I was working through the whole day and not getting distracted by emails and other things, I could sit and make about a hundred pieces. But if Are I Are you did kidding? That,
1: you can make a hundred pieces in a day?
0: It takes some practice, but oh I got I got, to, I got to that point. But after two days <gasps> oh in a row of doing God. that. I, my body was a mess. My back really hurt. You know, my <laughs> skin was coming off my fingers. You know, like that, that was not a sustainable solution. So I realized I had to be able to start delegating some things. And I had to bring in help in the studio um, mm-hmm. beyond what Krista was able to do uh, on her days off. So I started reaching out to bring in some assistance into the studio, people that I had already known from other networks. I used to live here in Philadelphia during a studio residency. Um, So I had a built-in network and I found a couple people who were really willing to jump in and go on this journey with us, knowing that it was going to be a kind of figure it out as we go situation. And I wasn't going to be able to pay them a whole lot of money at first, but I promised them that as we got more established on our side of things and getting more accounts that I would be able to raise their pay kind of to correspond with that. And um, I'm really fortunate that they've been really loyal and patient with that process.
1: And so they help you make things?
0: Yeah. Uh, At this point, they really help with all, all parts of the process. So some of the work right now we're using some molds uh, to produce so that I don't have to be producing every single piece on the wheel while right. I still am doing quite a bit of that. Right. Um, so they're able to do that and helping me make more clay and make glazes and apply glazes and fire kilns and load and unload and photograph and inventory and clean up. Yeah. There's so many steps. We were just talking the other day trying to figure out like how many hours we hold like each individual piece for. There's so many different parts of the process from the time that the raw material comes into the studio until the finished piece gets shipped out to the customer. And that one piece gets handled probably 20 or 30 different times. It's astounding. I would love to have a record of taking one piece all the way from start to finish, which is about three three weeks to a month.
1: Gosh, that's amazing. So how many years ago was it when you came from Indianapolis? Was that two years ago?
0: It was a year and was, a half. It was, what, no. It
1: was nine months ago. Nine months ago. <laughs> okay, so nine. nine <laughs> it was nine months ago. <laughs> nine months ago, you came there with that one account, then turned into eight. Tell us where you are now.
0: We have probably over 50 wholesale accounts
1: now. Oh my gosh. So can you explain what that means to people who don't know what a wholesale account is?
0: Wholesale account, meaning that we have some sort of retail partner. So somebody that either owns a shop an online shop, a garden center, uh, somebody that's selling pieces directly to a customer. And I will sell those pieces to them at a 50% discount so that I'm making a little bit, they're making a little bit, um, but they have to purchase in some sort of volume. So Mm -hmm. because I really believe in working with small, highly curated shops, we keep that minimum number really low. So each wholesaler is able to get a new batch of pieces by spending just three or $400. And I've found that working with that size of business really means that I'm working with another creative entrepreneur who's in the very same situation as I am, or maybe just a couple steps ahead. And they really kind of understand our process and what we're going through with the business. We're not necessarily dealing with these huge corporate accounts. Now, we are doing a little bit of that as well. um, But our bread and butter has really been in these super highly curated boutiques that market to mostly women, uh, I'd say in the ages of 25 to 40 in urban areas, like big metropolitan areas, we see that that's where all of our best accounts are. And they sell a lot of clothes and accessories that are very color driven and fun and playful.
1: What are some of those shops
0: so Alley Golden uh, in Oakland, California, uh, Youngblood Boutique in Atlanta, uh Woonwinkle in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. and you know, lots of different places in between.
1: Amazing. So that's all going on, and you have fifty accounts, so how many pieces do you have to make a month?
0: We're usually producing about three to four hundred pieces per week in the studio right now.
1: Oh my god.
0: Now They don't all survive, (laughs) of course. Um, So we're not putting that many out into the world. And sometimes we have a really busy month where a lot of pieces go out the door. And then we have some slower times where we start to build up more of an inventory. But we're at a point right now where the system has gotten a lot more efficient, where we can produce a lot. So with that comes more overhead and more labor costs. And we have to find more places to, to partner with uh, to sell those pieces.
1: Wow. And has there been other press? I'm, I imagine that people have reached out to you for magazine articles or your content has been featured in blogs and things like that.
0: Blogs have been really good, of course, because my customer is learning about all this stuff from the internet. You know, right. um, that's been great. We just launched the Kickstarter campaign a couple days ago.
1: Tell us about that.
0: So we found a new studio to move into here in Philadelphia that's gonna be a major step up from our current situation. It's bigger, it's much more well-appointed, up-to-date, electrical, new, everything, really a comfortable place where we could set up and think about achieving some long-term goals.
1: Uh Um,
0: But it's quite a bit more expensive than the space that we're in now. We were able to move into a pretty no-frills situation in a pretty rough neighborhood in Philadelphia to get started, and we want something more now. We want a space where we can have customers come to us and shop and a place where people feel oh, safe so nice. and it's accessible.
1: Like a so, multi-purpose use. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. It really yeah. feels that way. So in order to raise some capital to not only cover the initial costs of moving everything over, we also need to purchase some new equipment. We worked really hard for about a week to put together a Kickstarter campaign, which has been tremendously successful. So the campaign's going to run for 30 days We're in day four now, and we're expecting that we're going to hit our goal of $15,000 at some point this week. And then anything that we get on top of that for the remaining three weeks is just going to help us
1: um, get
0: even more equipment and do more training and taking better care of our employees.
1: I think it speaks to all the content you're creating and how you've created so much trust and loyalty and people really got to know you. And so you have a loyal audience who wants to help support you.
0: People have been so supportive. And I think they feel like they have a window into what our day-to-day life is. And it's so funny, especially when, when people meet Krista in person, they always say that like they know all about her from Instagram or they think <laughs> her kind of personality in the posts is so funny. And they also like this side story of like what it's like to be a married couple where <laughs> you're pursuing this creative dream and you're also yeah. trying to run a business and you're also married. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting and usually very funny story.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Well, for you two, I mean, cause you're yeah. doing it right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So all of this has been inspiring, but can you tell people like how many followers you have on Instagram and, you know, what the gross is that you're able to bring in?
0: So right now we're just closing in on getting 17,000 followers on Instagram, which, like awesome. I said earlier, is not, you know, the hugest number in the world. But we know that those are really, really quality right followers, yeah. people that really understand so that's um, a lot. what we're doing and really believe yeah. in it. And it feels like a lot and that engagement has been enough um for me to like pay my bills from right now, which is great. So we really depend on that flow of making a very easy intuitive track for people to go from seeing the piece on Instagram directly go to the website and then we're able to convert and sell those pieces right away. Um, We really focus on trying to keep the price point right at around $50. So Mm -hmm. that demographic that we're appealing to of mostly young people that are probably setting up their first apartment or first house, mostly in a big city, they don't have a lot of space. These small handheld size pieces of art that they can get for $50 that is a -a one-of-a-kind piece of art has been so great. So we don't really know just yet what our stable metric is for sales is we haven't even been doing this consistently for a full calendar year.
1: So crazy. But But look how much growth there's been.
0: It's been shocking to us how engaged people are. But in the, in the portion of 2016 that I was actually set up here in Philadelphia and had an operating studio, we did gross sales of close to a hundred thousand dollars. It's amazing. Which is absolutely incredible. Now, of course not
1: even how many months in 2016,
0: That was six months of us being fully full time, plus some, you know, other sales that happened when I was still teaching. But we really believe that from what we've seen in 2017, that we're on track to significantly increase that. And we're trying to be really smart about how we use that money and how we reinvest it and make sure that we're constantly making choices that are going to help improve things in the business in the future.
1: Unbelievable. So now here you are. (laughs) You took that risk. It seemed like it definitely paid off. I mean, you're making a living doing what you absolutely love. Okay, so tell us now where people can find you. Where can people buy from you directly? What's your website?
0: If they go to drippypots.com.
1: D-R-I-P-P-Y, drippypots.com. That's right,
0: drippypots.com. They can see the online store. And there's also a link to the Kickstarter campaign right now, which will be live until April 16th.
1: Amazing, amazing. I know that you're going to surpass your goal and then some. I can't wait to see where all of this is going to lead for you. Look how much you've done in nine months. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we really feel like every two weeks we show up to work and we're looking at a completely different business. <laughs> there has been no normal ever since it started. It's constantly evolving and changing. And fortunately for me, I like that. And I, I get a lot of energy from change.
1: So, a couple more questions. If sure. somebody's listening to this, and I know they are, and they are inspired by you, they want to know what's your best piece of advice to somebody who gets in their own way, doesn't think things are possible, doesn't know where to start. What do you say to somebody who wants to achieve their dream?
0: Something that was so important for me, and this was a huge change, and it was after I met Krista, was it's so important to listen to what people have to say about what you're putting out there, what you're making, what you're producing. It really matters and it's so important to have an audience. And previous to that, I was making work that I thought was important and I didn't really care so much what the external feedback was. Hmm. And that can be great as a purely independent art for art's sake practice. But if this is something that you're looking to build some sort of financial independence from or to see this thing continue to grow, I think it's really worthwhile to pay attention to what are people responding to. We didn't even really get to talk about this much, but there were years while I was teaching that people were asking about these drippy pots that I make now, and I was not interested in making them. I made them once for a a commission, and I thought I was kind of done with it. And people were contacting me, dealers and galleries, asking when I was going to make more. And I just kind of thought, nah, I don't, I don't really care about those. Like, I'm, I'm doing something that I thought was more important. Huh. Uh, once I decided to actually listen, <laughs> I heard it differently. And what people were saying is, you made a thing. We think that that thing is beautiful, and we want to have it around us. And oh. that's a great thing. But I, yeah. couldn't he- I couldn't hear that as a great thing like you said I couldn't get out of my own way and I, I just I, I was too focused on what what my specific interest was in that moment and
1: so the things now that you were creating then weren't necessarily selling in the same way you weren't getting the same traction right
0: those were not things that were at all created for the market these were things that were created for exhibitions that were mostly viewed by other academics and. Maybe I would get lucky and somebody would write an essay about it, but there was never any expectation wow. that that thing would produce a, a paycheck. In fact,
1: that's so the, fascinating. Oh my the whole
0: time that I was teaching my art making practice was a financial loss. It was a write-off. I was losing thousands of dollars every year on wow. materials and fabrication and shipping, but it was necessary for me to be producing and shipping these things all over to have an exhibition record. But, And this was true of most of my colleagues, too. Nobody ever thought about that as something that you could actually financially benefit from. And it was almost that if you were making work that had some commercial viability, then either you had really watered it down or you were selling out in some way. But I I I see that so differently now. I'm like doing something that has such a, a wider appeal than I ever had before. And I still really believe in the integrity of what I'm making. I love what I do. And I don't have to just resort to doing it on the side after I've already worked a full week. This is my whole week. And now I can create opportunities for other people to come in and learn about the business.
1: God, that's amazing. I mean, I'm definitely your target market because I'm 37. And I'm a girl living in an urban environment. And I love pink and blue and green and I love what you make perfect you've got it (laughs) so I was like drooling over it um every picture I was like I want all of this in my house I was going to say that your story what you just shared is fascinating because when I started making money real money in music it was a struggle also because before I was writing music trying to be cool trying to write things that were for some reason I equated like art with things that were like depressing. Yeah. <laughs> and if it was happy, it was actually not art I felt like. So, I was trying to write these songs that were like, you know, these torn apart, broken-hearted, you know, esoteric things and no one really cared. And then I would write these happy songs, these songs that were so easy for me to write that I I liked writing, but I felt like people thought they were silly Mm -hmm. and instead the world was like, no, no more of that, more of that. And then those songs got licensed to McDonald's and Walmart and all these different TV shows. And I started making like a lot of money doing that. And then I realized everyone's struggling with that feeling of like, is it authentic? And I'm really, am I really an artist if I'm making what people want me to make? And it's like, Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and which one of those things has allowed you to make a more significant improvement in your life and your situation? That's that's my feeling is I could still be this kind of like brooding conceptual artist in my in my office as an adjunct professor making $3,000 a semester or I can go into work every day and and follow out like my dream and actually yeah, get to things. do the thing
1: you love to do. You're still getting to do the thing you love to do. And you're making the, the particular thing that everybody really enjoys, but you're still getting to do your craft. Um, and I really feel where contribution becomes the center is really where you're going to make the make money because you're contributing something that everybody else also wants.
0: And it's, so- and it's working against the stereotype of artists and creative people as being these intimidating characters where you, there's this, People that are not involved in the arts see artists and people that are involved in the arts, that there's this high barrier for entry, that you have to know all of this information and you have to have some sort of historical context of this stuff before you even get into it. I know. And it makes people afraid to see theater and afraid to see progressive music or go to a museum because they feel like they're going to look dumb. And I feel like that was the thing for five, six years out of school. I was making pieces to like prove to this audience that I was smart. <laughs> like once I gave that up and said, like, you know what? I'm confident in the fact that I'm smart and that I also can like do this really colorful thing that makes me happy. And I don't need to be putting everything out there in the world to like basically be airing out my insecurities. You Isn't know, that it's like it's a totally wow. different thing. That but is so I...
1: interesting. You started by saying that this is an art that takes patience because you're not going to be good at it right away so for people i think one of the biggest things is that people give up and people don't have that grit what have you learned to keep you in it when you get frustrated how do you stay in that how have you stayed in it to the point where now you've become a master at this
0: you know whether it's about physically making a pot on the wheel or learning about business or taking on new accounts and screwing something up or messing up an order or having a bad sale or a bad show, you have to accept the fact that nothing is ever going to be perfect. And if you let that striving for perfection cripple you from trying anything, you lose. So, so much of this has been about accepting that uncomfortable feeling of (laughs) not getting it right. Uh, but I think there's a way of failing but failing with some sort of grace and humility that actually can endear people to what you're doing and your practice because they see the humanity in that and, and, and that's something that's so important and we we spend a lot of time thinking about kind of what our public image is and so much of our life exists now on Instagram. but we also like to have fun with that and Crystal loves making fun of me, you know, on Instagram and these things. And, and, and people seem to really respond to that, that we're humans and we, we screw up and we make mistakes and, you know, none of this is easy, but it involves risk-taking and that's so wonderful.
1: Awesome. Awesome. This is such a great story. It's so cool. And I'm not surprised because what's at the center of all of this is a person with you've such a big heart and you love people. It's so obvious. And I know you're going to continue to do such cool stuff. I can't wait to see how it just continues to grow by leaps and bounds. Um,
0: Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you for being on. And so everybody should go to drippypots.com and check out your work. And I'm sure you guys are going to find it as delicious as I did when I first stumbled (laughs) upon it. I was going to ask you one last thing. What's the best piece of advice you ever got?
0: I think for me... A piece of advice that has stuck with me for such a long time. So Debbie, my college professor, everybody has a bunch of bad artwork inside of them that they have to get out of the way. So Uh, those first couple years of making is about repetition and developing that sense memory and that muscle memory and get all that bad work out of you. And I think that's such an interesting way of thinking about it. It takes the pressure off. You just go into it, say, I'm going to be pretty bad at this for a while. But maybe I can be bad at it and still note my progress and still have fun. And the people that are able to do that, I think, are the people that stick with it and are successful and don't get distracted and and go off in another direction.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think that's an extremely inspiring way to end because it helps people to go for it and not have that pressure, exactly like you said. And maybe one day they'll get to be making drippy pots like you and making a living doing it. Thank you for being on. Thank you so much. Brian, that was so much fun to listen to. I'm so happy that you were here, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen, and I want to go buy some drippy pots. All right, so here are some of the takeaways. Number one, when you start working on your passion project, it doesn't matter how good you are in the beginning. If you love it that much, you'll have the drive to get better. Number two, honing your craft is like the process of making ceramics. It requires tremendous endurance and willpower to keep working through growth and failure, and in the end, it rewards you. Number three, everyone is capable of doing bad art. You just have to dive in and get the bad stuff out of your system, and eventually you're gonna to get to the brilliant stuff. Number four, your interests as an art are important, but if you want this to become a career, a business, recognize how people are responding to your art. Thank you guys for listening to Don't Keep Your Day Job. Please come join us on Facebook. Join the conversation. Let us know what you like. Let us know what's going on with you, what successes you're having, what challenges you're having. I'm going to show up at that Facebook page often and give you guys stuff. Remember, go to NoDayJobs.com and you can download the cheat sheet. Once you sign up, you're going to get the free cheat sheet every single week. This week, we're talking about list building. Last week, we talked about content. Um, There's going to be a lot of great stuff coming. So go to NoDayJobs.com and you can grab the additional resources that I am creating for you. Remember. Remember what I am saying. You guys have so much to contribute and the not being enough thing is just not true. And I want to be here to remind you of what you have inside of you. And I want to give you the tools to do it next week. We have an awesome show. Emily Giffen is going to be here. She is an amazing author novelist. Can't wait. See you guys next week. Please tell your friends about our show. And if you really want to support our show, not only can you support our sponsors, which always helps us, but you can go and leave us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. I want to give a shout out to the amazing team who makes this show possible. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer Emma Kikuchi. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.